another orphan of a bankrupt culture. This is John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequin shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hey, yo, what's going on, friends? Welcome back to another thrilling, action-packed episode of In Madness Pod. This is episode 21, and wait till I tell you how bad I screwed it up on the last episode. I'm here with my buddy Vertebrae33. What's going on? What's going on, Sean? How are you tonight? Today. Very, tonight, today, I'm very today, good. Whenever, <laughs> yeah, whatever day on In Madness Monday. Thank you for joining us if you're listening, and I want to thank again we said we we're planning on having more guests we had a previous guest andrew herman from johnny booth and i'm backing it up immediately with another guest i'm proud to have my buddy joe miro from creepy canvases on instagram what up joe miro what's up guys thanks for having me on I appreciate queens it. new york's own joe miro so you play guitar yes sir would you are you in a band yeah yep, yep. you want to hit, hit the plugs for the band crisis king official uh we're on instagram we're on youtube spotify apple music wherever you can play music Badass. we're there and hit the uh, creepy canvases plug yeah so you're on what instagram twitter or is it just yeah. instagram with that just instagram right now i got an etsy shop uh so explain quick up. explain quickly to the in madness audience what you do with creepy canvases so during the pandemic uh just in between work school you know, just personal life. I picked up painting and the only canvases I had at the time were like these little four by four squares. Um, and just like every day it, it became like an exercise. And I would just, I had this vision to create like a, I guess like a periodic table of like horror portraits. <laughs> That's <And> nice. <laughs> just minimal blank, uh, kind of just like solid colors and, then eventually I would just, I did all these characters. Make sure you follow creepy canvases on Instagram. I love this dude's work so much. I have like six of your pieces hanging up right now in my living room. We just hung up the art. Uh, some of it right next to my buddy Vertebrae 33's art as well. I have both that. of you guys hanging up in my living room, which I love. Um, really quick, really quick, before we get into anything, before we go off the rails and all that stuff. Wait, wait, I, Sean, before go ahead, you go, go, to ahead, go ahead, I'm going to stop you and just say, uh, uh, Joe, uh, officially just want to tell you, welcome to the party, pal. Hey, before <laughs> we get you. into any of that, before we get into that, I want to thank everybody who had us on their Spotify wrapped because it was way more than I expected. I didn't expect anybody to have anything or post anything. And the fact that we got a bunch of people posting that in madness pod was on their Spotify wrapped. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A kabillion, million, jillion times. Tell your friends spread the word spread the madness it madness pod um and really quickly so far as of the taping of this podcast i have seen the new godzilla minus one movie twice in theaters uh, i plan on wow. seeing it hopefully two more times by the time we actually post this podcast um one of the best movie godzilla movies ever i'm only bringing this all up now because we're not doing a 0.5 in between uh this movie and the next movie we're right. doing so i'm bringing i'm just getting all this out thank you for the spotify raps thank you for the uh sh God, shout out to godzilla minus one if you have not seen it it's only like a limited run in us i think they're taking it out of theaters real soon so if it's still up when this 
uh, episode gets posted, check out Godzilla Minus One. Hopefully, we're going to go over it in Madness Pod. It's one of the best in the series. My top three, uh, top four, it's uh, 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 56 with Raymond Burr, 85 with Raymond Burr, Shin Godzilla, which I have the art for right here behind me, and this new one, Godzilla Minus One. It's like I've never gotten so emotional watching a Godzilla movie before, especially for the human element in the movie, which is by far in every Godzilla movie, the worst element of the movie. And this, you were <laughs> highly invested in it. So shout out to Godzilla minus one. Joe Miro, uh, it is my new uh, thing now to ask our guests before we start the episode. Joe Miro of Creepy Canvases, what's your favorite scary movie? Oof. That's a hard one. So I, I personally hate to like rank stuff <laughs> so like, I, hey, I know that's that's why i had to frame it that way um it's so hard i it, it's got to be a tie with i mean it's got to be halloween i'm sorry 1978 the original that's did the you listen to our halloween episode i'm gonna put you on the spot of course did you know that that costain and and other was made up i did not what was it? Costain and, and uh, damn it, oh, what was I, it? I forget now. Oh, yeah, I put yeah. us on the spot. Explosion. I, once it wasn't real, I took it. I took it out of my brain, Sean, because you know <laughs> you got me just researching this thing over and over again. That was one thinking, of our something. That was or, one of our yeah. funniest in madness moments, yeah. definitely. Um, I want to. Uh, so yes, shout outs to Halloween, of course. Um. Shout outs to at in madness pod. Follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, threads, Facebook. Make sure <laughs> as of the taping of this podcast, I don't know if you saw vertebrae, the poll for mail sack and mail madness is currently up? up. Oh, it is up. That. And wow. and and who do you think is winning? Oh, it's gotta be mail sack. Mail sack. <laughs> 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 Mail sack is currently in the lead as of the taping of this podcast. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel at In Madness Pod on YouTube. We post all of these podcasts to the socials in case you want to check out myself or Vertebrae or Joe Miro and all the cool shit we got hanging up in the background here. We sometimes show toys and cool things. Oh, I have toys from this movie. I'm looking at them right now. Don't let me forget to either show them to you guys or post them. Uh, make sure you check us out on the YouTube and also. We're going to add more songs after this one. The In Madness playlist on Spotify, mm -hmm. which is growing bigger and better and crazier every day. We got two plus hours of music, all stuff from the movies we have talked about, from the point fives we've talked about. Uh, you're going to get a mix of everything, but we're going to get into all that later. Vertebrae. Yeah. Do you have the, the vinyl for this movie? I do not have the vinyl. Oh, oh man. Damn. I do not. I do not. I just ordered one from an older movie we did, which we can talk about later on, but uh, I don't have this one. The movie we're doing is Die Hard. Boom! Happy so holidays! This officially changes this podcast's course. We started this as horror, horror sci-fi, and now we head in this direction, and now we don't care. All bets are off. We're going to talk about whatever we like. There's a theme. Matter. There's a theme. It's holiday. Like, we're not just doing it to do it. I feel like. Yeah, but I think there'll be, now that we broke in, we're going to hit other movies. To action. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Like, if we hit a comedy, I think we'll hit, like, a horror comedy. I don't see it. I would right. love to do a comedy. Maybe we do a comedy. Maybe we do go off the rails yeah, with the yeah. podcast. <laughs> He's mixing it up already. But uh, I'll give a quick backstory, and then we'll and then we'll jump in. 
Uh, so it came out in 1988, July 12th, 1988, directed by John McTiernan, written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen D'Souza. Uh, it was based off of a novel. I did not know this until I started researching this uh, by Roderick Thorpe called Nothing, Nothing Lasts Forever. And at the end of our part two of this, I'm going to kind of read the novel synopsis after we do the film so we can sort of see what clicks with the film um it was a sequel to his earlier novel called the detective um and that had a film adaption with frank sinatra in it so at one point sinatra was seriously or they had to kind of ask him to to have this role but he was pretty old at the time um john mctiernan the director predator last action hero uh hunt for red october um the score which i don't have and i should get uh, it, I think it is on vinyl, but they haven't done kind of a new reissue with it recently. Uh, Michael Kamen did X-Men, Iron Giant, Lethal Weapon, a ton of movies, Dead Zone, Highlander, and a bunch of TV shows as well. Uh, filmed entirely on location in or around Fox Plaza in Los Angeles, which is, uh, you know, that gorgeous building in the, in the movie. Um, and Sean, do you know how many people they picked or joe maybe joe knows who was ahead of bruce willis for this role joe you know if you asked me this question a year ago i would have been able to answer <laughs> um it definitely was like the who's who oh man i'm on the spot here yeah. it was definitely another like 80s action star a few of them right yeah so he was a, Bru a bruce willis who was kind of sort of relatively unknown for movies at the time. He was a big, he was a big star on Moonlighting, the TV, yeah. the ABC comedy uh, or dramedy, I guess. Um, but there were, they approached Schwarzenegger. They approached Burt Reynolds. Well, they, of course, <laughs> sort of approached Frank Sinatra uh, <laughs> in the beginning because they kind of had to, which would totally have changed this movie. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, and then they went with who they thought was kind of a relative unknown, who actually turned it down when he was first asked, Bruce Willis, because he was doing Moonlighting, um, and then his co-star in Moonlighting got pregnant, so the show went into a little hiatus, and he said yes, and we have movie magic after that with Bruce Willis. Biggest, I biggest star in the world after this. Yes, and and the cast, we'll just go through it quickly. Bruce Willis, John McClane, Bonnie, Bedelia will ruin all the names, Joe. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> Holly Gennaro McClane, Reginald uh, Vell Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell, Paul Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson, DeVroe White as Ar Argyle, William Adderton as Thornburg, Hart Bachner as Ellis, James Shigata as Tagagi, and Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. And he has a bunch of henchmen. We don't have to name them all, but he's got a few. We'll I got all their names. names. I got you got all their names. names. We're going to learn them as we as we Thank go God along. for subtitles. And <laughs> let's hit this before we run into the movie really quick. We'll ask this question in the beginning, and then we can keep asking it as we go along. Mm, I have the question. <laughs> I think I have the question. Go ahead. Spit it out, Sean. What go is the ahead. question? No, so, no, I want to hear it. I was. I'm. I'm going to keep a tally. Okay. Is this movie, is Die Hard, a Christmas movie? Right. And so we love a 
we love a bit on the show. We not only have gnarly bits, we love to carry it so through. So I have Christmas bits. So I've put in my notes things that happen that are Christmas bits. <laughs> nice. So Sean can make a sound effect for Christmas, Christmas bits. Ching, 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 ching. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, and then somebody recently posted on Twitter that uh, don't forget Prometheus is a Christmas movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, we brought that up on our Prometheus episode. So I retweeted that on <laughs> at and Madness Pod Socials. Joe, what do you think? Right off the bat, is this a Christmas film? I was, I was gonna ban you from this podcast 12 minutes in <laughs> if you said no because there are people there are there I, are people that will die on the hill that die hard is not a christmas movie no that's blaspheme it's blasphemous I, I i don't understand why it's even a debate when you think of any other christmas movie it's like we're gonna prove them all wrong within these next yes all right two hours because this movie is a long one but you know we're breaking it in half so it's not going to be a terrible long listen for you but and and yeah, go ahead. i'm going to say sean you're going to go through now we're going to jump in we're going to go through this movie bit by bit this movie changes everything for action films after it comes out it's it's super influential on other films this is and we'll get into it as we roll along but you know john mcclain is the everyman Mm-hmm. And they and they give us this this movie is superbly set up throughout. They pay off almost everything that they set up. They have sort of Alex Garland level, if we call back the ex machina depth on putting things in this movie throughout this movie that are going to pay off or turn out to be really big things l- later on. And I think it's just fantastic. I don't think this film gets enough credit from people for the cinematography and for the visuals and for just everything that came after it and just what it rolls into, you know, what's an incredible action film. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Anything you want to say, Joe, before we jump into the actual film? Come on to the pod, get together, have a few laughs. Right. Have a few laughs. Look, he's <laughs> falling. Oh no, he's <laughs> falling. No, <Nice>. Hans. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so gotta, we have to explain that to anyone listening. Into you got to tune into the YouTube. Watch. Sean has YouTube. a uh, as a Funko Pop Hans Gruber two. Funko Pop that he's dropping two. down. I got him two Hans Grubers or no? No, I got, oh, you got him McLean. <laughs> yeah. Two Hans Grubers. Uh, well, was That's nervous. how cool he is. I know. I was like, wait a minute. This. This guy bought two of them. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Episode 21, okay. I was just saying, because in our point five, I was like, oh, this is episode 25, episode 19.5. I got every number wrong in our last episode. So I haven't mm-hmm. written down now what number episode we are up to. Episode 21, part one in Madness Pod. So this is what? This is right. I mean, pretty much when we released this, the 35th anniversary of this movie, right? Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah die hard we are here i remember my first time seeing this shout out to my man glenn we rented this from blockbuster we got this and die hard with a vengeance he said we had to get them together because they're connected i didn't know then but i know now and maybe we'll get around to die hard with a vengeance in the Mm -hmm. future shout out to blockbuster video rest (laughs) in peace i think there's that still that one last blockbuster unless they close that one too 
I think some people have been building them in their basements during the pandemic. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, that's what Panic, uh, boy, uh, Panic Room Toys. He's got his own little blockbuster down in his, yeah. uh, in his special <laughs> room. So, yes, I'm keeping my tally. I'm going to try and keep a, a count of every time there is a Christmas mention, and I want to count up the tallies at the end of the episode to see how many tallies it takes to be a goddamn Christmas movie because Prometheus only had one tree and one mention and it's a Christmas Mm -hmm. movie and this has a whole hell of a lot more than that so let's go movie opens plane landing there he is our star our man our badass Bruce Willis John McClane he's gripping the armrest for dear life the man next to him notices you don't like flying do you Hmm. Want to know the secret to surviving air travel? Get wherever you're going, take off your shoes and your socks, and walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. I do this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Those those hotel room carpets are so covered in Ephraim Winslow jism. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, mean like, at home. At home. I mean at home. I, yeah, but the, he's like the key to traveling. I was like, no, don't do Come that on, in a you hotel. Know. You got to do that at home. Yes, make fists with your toes. But I think about it. I, I would say I probably do that a lot. Like I get home and 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 make the fists with my toes and walk around a little bit. <laughs> and I would say every third time I do it, I think of the movie. So I probably think of Die Hard once a week in my life <laughs> um just just because of that and and i'll say right away right away joe we get character building next to him we get a guy he's clearly a businessman he's around he's got the open shirt he's chilling he's giving him advice we we're building stuff right now and we've instantly made bruce willis john McLean vulnerable which makes him different than a lot of other action stars. Right Schwarzenegger away. would not be gripping the arm. Oh, yeah. 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 Right um, away. What about, what about you, Joe? You a fist with your toes kind of guy? I actually, okay. So I watched it again last night and I'm like, you know what? I got to try this. <laughs> <laughs> like, right as the scene was going on, I'm like, all right, this is not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of relaxing, actually. If you're listening right now at home on In Madness Monday, take off your shoes and your socks and make fists with your toes. <laughs> and you know what, Sean? Right at the beginning, you'll notice before we even get to that, the, the 20th Century Fox logo comes up and it's stretched and they never fixed it, like even through the 4K releases and stuff. So when you watch it, it was like maybe like a 4-3 four, three, four, three aspect ratio and it says squished even on like the Blu-ray. It's That's still squished in a weird way. Yeah. McLean is stunned. Fists with your toes. The guy's like, I know you think I'm crazy. I've been doing it for nine years. It's better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. The guys laugh. They get up from their seats. McLean's digging through this overhead compartment, and the man next to him notices the gun in his holster. He gets scared. It's all right. I'm a cop. Trust me. I've been doing this 11 years. He grabs an enormous teddy bear out of the overhead. He stumbles into this young lady. The flight attendant looks her over while he's exiting the plane. He heads the baggage claim, and across the screen from each side comes our title. Die hard, yeah. And, and before that, we get our first Christmas bit. They say oh. on the plane, "Have a merry Christmas." Uh, as off the plane. I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm making a tally. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. One. McLean lights up a stove in the airport and waits for his luggage. Cut to the inside of an office. Classical music playing in the background. A man walks out of the office over the balcony, overlooking a massive party. With a large Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Tally. 
And he screams, ladies and gentlemen, I want to congratulate each and every one of you for making this one of the greatest years in the history of Nakatomi Corporation. The room breaks into applause. He continues on behalf of the CEO, Mr. Ozu, and the board of directors. We thank you and wish you <clears throat> a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. There you go. The room wishes him back. Below, we see a woman still busy at work in the office. She's approached by a jabroni co-worker. Hey, Holly, what about dinner tonight? She's like, Harry, it's Christmas Eve, Santa stockings, chestnuts, any of this ring a bell? He's like, I'm thinking wine, cheese, and a roaring fireplace. He is trying so hard to get it in right now. Oh, yeah, and he's 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 a total mess. He is we're, the we're, douchiest of the douchies. Yeah, the ultimate kind of 80s, 80s movie way. And we get our next Christmas bit. Her name is Holly. <laughs> wow. Tally. Yeah. Oh, man. How are you arguing that this isn't a Christmas movie? Yeah. It's all Holly, there. Holly looks at him. She sighs, walks into her office, telling her secretary, Ginny, to party, have some champagne. Uh, you're making me feel like Ebenezer Scrooge. Hey, hey. look at that. She says, thanks, Ms. Gennaro. Do you think the baby can handle a little sip? She gets up and we see she is very pregnant. Yeah. Holly's like, that baby is ready to tend bar. That's she crazy. Thinks, Let's just stop there for a second. I mean, it's, it's the 80s. Yeah. It's the 70s. <laughs> it's a different time. Oh, yeah. I mean, John, John McClane's smoking in an airport. Yeah, yeah. That tells you. That tells you enough, right there. He also has the. Uh, he's got that teddy bear with him that he's bringing as a as a gift. Uh, so he's bringing a Christmas gift with him, but he only has that other little duffel bag, and he's got two kids, and he's just got the one gift. So I always wondered about that. Like, what he just has? Each one... you get a half. Yeah, that that teddy bear was also in uh, Hunt for Red October. Wow! Wow! So <laughs> same, there you same go. One? Same, yeah, same, yeah, credit, yeah. same credit in yep. there. Yep. Holly picks up the phone. We see the other line ringing. Kids playing. The little girl runs up, scoops up the phone. McLean residence, Lucy McLean speaking. Hello, Lucy. This is your mother. The kids ask when she's coming home soon, but I'll be you'll be in bed when I get there. Holly says she wants to talk to Paulina, tells the kids not to snoop around the house looking for presents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, while she's speaking, the camera's panning across all the pictures on her desk, and we see one that tells our whole story. It's John and Holly and the kids. The kid on the phone says, is daddy coming home with you? And Holly says, we'll see what Santa and mommy can do, okay? Put Paulina mm-hmm. on. The kids give the phone to housekeeper Paulina. Hel- Hola, Mrs. Holly. Mm. Holly asks if Mr. McLean calls. Paulina says, no telefono. Holly says, maybe set up the spare bedroom just in case. Paulina smiles. See, Mrs. Holly, I already did. Holly thanks her, hangs up, turns around to pick to the pick of her and John and the family, and she slams it face down on her desk. Boom. And and two things out of that. One, the housekeeper is the very stereotypical Hispanic uh, housekeeper who's played by an Italian woman, by the way. Um, and the other thing is, right away here we go we're planting things in this film what have we planted already we planted take your shoes off make balls you're right fists with your feet balls and now right and now what are we doing we're turning this photo over which plays into the film big time later on 
So all of these things we're doing in the beginning because we get action in this about 20 minutes in, I think. So there's there's a lot of work to be done to establish a story early before we kind of ramp up the action. You guys remember the first time you saw this movie? Sort of. I You know, it's funny. You, um, you brought up Blockbuster. I think the first time I ever saw this was when when you would go into Blockbuster, they used to have those mounts with the TVs and they would just play like some like random Bane. tape or something. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was the scene where he's jumping off the roof with the hose. You're sick. Nice. How about you, Vertebrae? I'm pretty sure... I think I saw it in the... the I might have seen it in the theater, which is going to make me sound like super incredibly old. But And the fact that you went to the theater. I'm shocked. Oh, yeah, that also is a thing. I mean, <laughs> you saw Godzilla minus one twice, and I, I haven't seen it at all, but... You're waiting for me still at the theater, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. It might have just been another Die Hard movie because there were so many after it. So if it wasn't that, it was you know you just rent it with with a bunch of friends. But I don't know if it was that one or not. I'm pretty sure I saw a Die Hard movie in the theater, and when I was trying to think about it, I was like, I think it was that one, but I don't know. We cut That's the John awesome. leaving baggage claim. He checks out a little blonde girl, screeches in delight. She sees her boyfriend, jumps on him, hugs him. John walks away and says to himself, California. Mm. He goes to leave and sees a man holding a sign with his name. He says, I'm John McClain. The guy says, I'm Argyle. I'm your limo driver. Nice bear. The guy standing <laughs> around awkwardly looking at each other for a moment. McClain asks, okay, well, what do we do now? The guy's like, I'm hoping you could tell me it's my first time driving a limo. McClain's like, it's all right. It's my first time riding in one. I love them both already. Mm -hmm. And we and they establish both of them very quickly. And we get another code into John being an everyman, you know, never been in a limo before, that that type of thing. Um, and we get a little, you know, California. So we're not sure of the full backstory, but there's clearly something going on. And he had to fly in, you know, fly in to see her, to see his wife and um yeah, we're just building the, the building this up as we move along. I still say that when I go to California. People in California walk around the streets smiling. I'm like, who walks around the streets smiling? I look at them like, fuck California, man. <laughs> Maybe Joe walks around the streets smiling. I don't, I don't know, know anybody who walks around just smiling. I'm like, fucking, you don't see people in, in New York walking around smiling. Not one person. I don't care if you're having the best day of your life. <laughs> I, I, I feel like no one's doing that. Yeah, Not a lot here. in California. They're doing a lot in California. I'm just like, fucking California, man. I feel like John McClane. We cut to inside limo, and there's McClane up front in the passenger seat with, with the big bear in the back where he's supposed to be, and him and Argyle vibing out. Argyle's explaining to John all the cool features a limo has. He's got the hookup for some ladies. John's married. He says Holly has been out in Cali for the last six months. He lights up a cigarette in the limo, hot box and a stove in the limo. Gross. Argyle <laughs> says, so you still live in New York? McLean wants to know if Argyle always asks these many questions. Argyle laughs, apologizes, says he used to drive a cab and people expected a little chit chat. My question to you guys is where do you sit on the Uber or cab chit chat fort? Oh, Joe, you go first. Uh, depends on the driver. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to read the that's room. That's how drunk I am. Mm -hmm. that, all right. That's, see, that's a great factor, too. You know what I mean? Depends on where you're going, how you're feeling. 
I, I've yeah. had some great conversations on like the way to the airport or something. I've had like the most anti-social guys like just going to a bar, coming home from one. So depends. <laughs> what about you, Vertebrae? Uh, I don't know. Mostly, I liked them to not talk. Although the silence gets awkward, <laughs> and then I feel like I need to fill it with nonsense and anything I talk about. They don't want to talk about. I did have a guy once, and it was really early in the morning, and I was headed to the airport. And he proceeded to just talk about like car accidents. Mm, great. He was zipping on the highway. And I was like, this is not, I don't need to hear this on the way, you know, oh, the other night there was this really bad one. And then I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Like you can skip this part. Let's, let's just talk about the weather. I don't, I'm not great with small talk. If you know me at all, you know, I'm not that great with small talk. I, you do better in two hour bursts of movies. Exactly. I tell the guy pull over and let's, let's, let's talk about atmospheric black metal yeah 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 you got two hours but this one song on the album is two hours long anyway so but uh yeah i mean i did have once a guy early again early in the morning flying back from iowa and he had a tesla so i was like oh it's a nice car and it was a short drive but in that short drive i learned every single thing you could learn about tesla the entire time um but I don't know. I think I would love to chit chat with Argyle. I think Argyle's awesome. Argyle is the man. Yeah. With, me, with me and Cavs, I just want to be left the hell alone. And recently, my girlfriend brought it to my attention. That's why my Uber score is so low because usually I just oh. listen to Sanguisugabug on my phone. But <laughs> sometimes, not even with headphones, I'll just sit there with it on on my lap uh, in the car. And she's like, "This is why your Uber score is so low because you're playing music in the backseat of people's cars that like nobody wants to." Hear Hear that shit mm. but i'm like come on it's sanguisugaba <laughs> uh so i've been stopping doing that to try to make my uber score go back up i'm sorry to all the uber drivers i tortured yeah. uh out of the window we see this beautiful california sunset limo is approaching a massive building nakatomi plaza our main character right our- headquarters for 20th century studios as well as nakatomi plaza um, but we hear in the car when they're in the limo, we hear Run DMC's Christmas song. Well, Argyle's digging deeper. He's like, you divorced, you separated, she beat you up. McLean goes, she had a good job, turned into a great career. Argyle's like, so she moved out here. And he goes, you're a very fast Argyle. Mm. Keep thinking, why didn't you come out here with her? McLean says, I'm a cop. I got a six-month backlog of scumbags trying to put behind bars. You can't pick up and leave. Argyle goes, so you thought she wouldn't make it out here and come crawling back to you. The guys laugh. Like I said, you're very fast, Argyle. And then he throws on some tunes. Mm-hmm. Vertebrae, yeah. he throws on what? <laughs> yeah, it's Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis. So we get a Queens, we get a Queens reference here. Hey, yeah. shout out to the Queens boys. It's uh that 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 song's from uh, a very special Christmas album, which was a Special Olympics benefit. Also featured Bob Seeger, Madonna, okay. U2, Bon Jovi. And a favorite on this podcast, Whitney Houston. <laughs> In addition to Whitney Houston, which is already on, this song will now be added to the In Madness playlist, which is available right now on Spotify and available in the link in the description of this episode. And the best part of that song in the beginning is they say it's December 24th. 
in the song right at the beginning part and it's, it's on it's the tally forth. so it's, you it's could kind of add that you could kind of add that in in there as an extra bit and if that's not enough mclean goes don't you got any christmas music mm. and argyle replies man this is christmas music <laughs> tallied the men arrive at nakatomi plaza they pull up to the front. Argyle says, you see a lady, you run into each other's arms, music comes up, and you live happily ever after, right? McLean's trying to be optimistic. He goes, I can live with that. This fucking sweetheart Argyle. So if it doesn't work out, you got a place to stay? McLean says he'll find a place. Argyle's not having it. It's the holidays. My man's here to help a dude out. I'll tell you what. I'll pull into the parking garage. I'll wait. If you score, call me on the car phone. I'll take your bags to the desk. If you strike out, I'll get you to a hotel. Mm. hands McLean his card with his number i fucking love argyle yeah and we yep and we get our another plant here this is a big part nothing wasted in this movie argyle is going to stay there so everything pays off later on when we do it as we set it up in this quick 20 minutes (laughs) McLean says you're all right argyle he's like yeah well just remember that when you sign for the tip and McLean heads (laughs) inside i love argyle we got this big empty lobby Except for a Christmas tree. John says, I'm here to see Holly McLean. The guy at the security desk is like, just type it in the computer. And John goes, cute toy. Oof. Mm. If only he knew about Terminator and Ex Machina, right? Yeah. The guard says, "Uh, yeah, if you have to take a leak, it'll help you find your zipper. (laughs) John types in M for McLean. Nothing. Uh Uh-oh. Types in G, sees her name, Holly Gennaro. And he says, Christ. He selects her name. He heads to the 30th floor of the party. They're the only ones left in the building. He takes the express elevator up and walks off whistling jingle bells. Ding, ding. And also, <laughs> this security guard, can I, it bothers me because he makes him type the name in. But then he's like, oh, yeah, this is in the party. It's the only ones left in the building. Just so why, did he even, why did he just say, if he's coming to see somebody in the building, they got to be on the 30th floor. So just go go there. It's a weird little, weird little bit. We got Argyle pulling into the parking garage. We cut the John getting off the elevator. This giant party, beautiful lobby with a waterfall, giant Christmas tree. John gets handed a red drink, takes a sip, makes a disgusted face, puts it down. He spots another blonde as he's slowly walking, looking at her and bumps into another woman and apologizes. Man walks up to him and says, hey, Merry Christmas, (laughs) and kisses John on the cheek. He shoves him (laughs) off and he goes, Jesus, fucking California. I love I love how he rags on California through the whole movie. That's a New York cop. Yeah. uh, Joe, where do you stand on kissing on the cheek? As a greeting for, I mean, the holidays, hey, they, for the holidays, right? Yeah, they do it in Europe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> might as well do it in California, right? Yeah, both cheeks or one cheek? <laughs> I'd say one. One. That, that's the American way to do it. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's the that's the bro way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> the bro way. To do it. Yeah, vertebrae. When I come knocking at your door on Christmas for my in madness stickers, so I could post them all over music venues, I'm going to give you a kiss on one cheek and be like, "Hey." Merry Christmas. You're going to be like, uh, uh, yeah, that pretty much uh, guarantees I'm not answering the door. Slip him through the mail slot. Yeah. <laughs> They're out back in the yard. Go find them. Yeah, I threw them. Yeah, go pick them up. 
he approaches the man from earlier who wished everyone in the room a Merry Christmas. And he says he's looking for the guy cuts him off and he goes, Holly Gennaro confused. He goes, yeah, the man continues. And you must be John McClain. I'm Joe Takagi. How was your mm. ride in? John says it was nice. He asks if he has him to thank for that. He's like, it seems at least we could do. John's like, you got a nice place here. He's like, it will be if we ever get it finished. There's several floors under construction. Holly went to the vault to fax some documents. She'll be back any minute. Her office is right back here. He walks in and John, he walks John to the door and it says, Holly Gennaro, director, corporate affairs. She's yeah. doing great. And you know, it pisses him off so bad. Absolutely. And also we get another plant. Okay. Several floors of construction. Going to pay that off in a big way later on. There's no wasted space in, in this, in this film at all. Um, Joe, how often do you watch Die Hard? Is it a, is it a frequent viewing for you once a year? Um, it's become like a, I guess like most people, it's become like a yearly like Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Growing up, it was just like a casual watch. I'd watch it in July. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a huge movie for me. So like, um, like the, at least the first three, and then yeah, as I got older, it just turned into like a, a bona fide like Christmas movie. Have so you made the now. Christmas ornament that you can make? They have the thing you can buy some. He too, stole but... my gnarly bit. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. No, I have so many. I wanted to throw it to you before I said it. I'm glad you. Yeah. No, so sorry. him in the vent with yeah. the yeah. I know we're jumping ahead in the it. film, but I thought yeah. about it to be honest with you. I was like, you know, I you could probably make a ton of them. Honestly, yeah. Have you painted that? Yeah, I have actually. Okay. Who, who have you painted so far from Die Hard? I've only done just two John McClane ones. I think one was like referenced from like the poster art where it's like him with the gun. And then uh, one year I got a little more ambitious and was like, uh, let me do it in the vent. Like that's that's an iconic scene. Great quote. Just that's like a perfect sequence. You know, I might need a Joe Miro Hans Gruber. Oh yeah, no, fall, fallen. I think Maybe. I need that. I think, but that bitch, that bitch right there. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like it's funny. The villains, the, you know, I love the villains, Joe. <laughs> the uh, the you mentioned the post of the film. So the original post of the film was just the featured the building because they didn't think that Bruce Willis was a big enough star, and then they kind of quickly realized they should go in another direction but there's you could look online and find pictures of it where it's just a building and just says die hard it's really interesting yeah if we, i find it i'll post it uh, on the socials at in madness pod sure as shit here's jabroni co-worker from earlier who was hitting on holly ellis he's sniffing coke right off of holly's desk right in front of mr takagi and john mcclain a new york cop he even <laughs> licks his finger and he goes oh, i was just making a call this was the nearest phone Takagi's like, this is John McClane, Holly's husband. He's a policeman. Ellis is in charge of international development. Ellis shakes John's hand. I've heard a heck of a lot about you. John smiles and goes, you missed some. <laughs> Ellis wipes his nose. McClane tells Takagi he throws quite a party. He says he didn't realize they celebrated Christmas in Japan. Takagi's like, they're, flex they're flexible. Pearl Harbor didn't work out, so we got you with tape decks. And Ellis <laughs> goes, <laughs> and un uncomfortably laughs out loud. He says, it's a double celebration. We closed a pretty big deal today, and a lot of it was due to Holly. Right, JoJo? And hard as hell, he smacks Takagi, his boss, on the arm because he's all coked up. In walks Holly. Her and John briefly, briefly, seem very happy to see each other. 
She walks in, they hug. Takagi tells John, Holly was made for this business, tough as nails, which you know, John's just like, shut up, Takagi. <laughs> she says she was hoping John made the flight. Annoyed Ellis says, show him the watch. And then he goes, <laughs> sniffs loud as hell. Holly says, later, loudly Ellis yells, show him the watch. What are you, embarrassed? McLean looks annoyed at Ellis because Ellis is being annoying. And Ellis says, it's a small token of appreciation for her hard work. It's a Rolex. <laughs> and, you know, you get a sense that Ellis, we're character building heavy duty in this film. You hate him immediately. He should hate be him. at the dinner party at the menu. Yes. <laughs> and and he's been harassing Holly on a regular basis. We can guarantee that he's been harassing her on a regular basis. And, you know, the Rolex is just probably another way to to you know try to be able to take her out right that, that that just seems like um i don't know maybe he's really good at, he's so obnoxious that i'm like is he i'm not sure he does he million really dollar deals for breakfast i mean yeah <laughs> along with cocaine i guess yeah yeah oh yeah uh, john's like i'll see you later i'll see the watch later is there a place i can wash up and holly takes him on his way cut to the street Large truck approaching, dark music playing in the background, headed towards Nakatomi Plaza. Do you know what it says on the truck, Joe? No. <laughs> hold you on the spot. Ooh, that's a hard one. Trivia I, time. What uh -oh. the hell? Yeah, no. I'm sorry, Sean. That's my job on the podcast. Laundry? <laughs> it's Pacific Courier, and, and that actually means messenger of peace. So it's a very, like, ironic Ooh. name. And I think there's maybe one of the other diehards. I think the one in New York. I think there's an Eastern. I think it's an Eastern Courier truck or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. We got Or Atlantic. That. I think it's Atlantic Courier, actually. Okay. Back in the building, Holly tells John, forgive Ellis. He is very depressed this time of year. He thought he was God's greatest gift. John says he knows the type. Ellis has his eye on you. She's like, I got it, my eye on his private bathroom. She asks John where he's staying. He says, Cappy Roberts retired out there. You can bunk with him. Where does he live? Ramona. Mm. Holly mm. laughs her ass off. She's like, it's Pomona. Holly offers for John to stay in her spare room. Says the kids would love to see him. Says she would like to have him over. And the couple burst in the door, giggling like they're getting ready to bang. But they're stunned to see John and Holly and scurry out of the room. <laughs> Holly comes out with it, tells John she misses him. He smiles, leans on the door for him and says... I guess you didn't miss my name, though, except maybe when you're signing checks. Oh, bad, bad move, John. But John is so gr gross in this scene because he goes to wash up and he's just like wiping his pits with the hand towel. And the... <laughs> so gross. I'm New not York. inviting him. Yeah, New yeah. York style in California. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they did that on purpose to just add an extra piece to his personality so you knew he was not Mr. California, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so gross. Ellis isn't wiping his pits with the face towel. No. Yeah, since when did you start using Miss Gennaro? She sighs. It's a Japanese company. They figure a married woman's got. John cuts her off. You are a married woman. Married to me. She gets annoyed. She's not going to have this conversation. They had it in July. They never finished the conversation conversation she tells him she had an opportunity she had to take it 
He says, no matter what the consequences were, or what it did to our marriage, it didn't do anything except change his idea of what their marriage should be. And John says, you wouldn't have a clue as to what my idea of a marriage should be. She tells John she knows exactly what his idea of their marriage should be. Whoa. Couples fight. Someone interrupts and knocks on the door, and it's Ginny, her secretary. They stop arguing. Ginny looks at John, sees he's visibly pissed off. Mr. Takagi is looking for Holly, wants her to say a few words to the staff. Holly leaves. John bangs his head on the doorframe and says, that's great, John. Good job. Very mature. So at least he knows he's acting like a jackass. I feel like Joe, you've seen this a lot. That you've, I feel like he went there. He went there with the best intentions. I think he went there to make up with her until he loved her, and it just goes off track. A hundred percent. I mean, he was coming in for the holidays. They have kids together. This is as you were, as you've been saying this whole time. Like they do create like a world. Like mm -hmm. it, it is as very immersive you know what i mean as far as like world character building because it's like they have a family together it's trying to kind of rekindle something reconnect or rebuild you know what i mean so it it's a very interesting dynamic between the two of them like right off the bat you know because this is like what 25 minutes into the movie 20 minutes yeah i think it's less than that even yeah yeah, yeah it's right right off and we get her putting the picture down and and, and all that you get a sense yeah. that he was probably supposed to call and say like hey i'm coming and i'm sure he oh, could yeah. have gotten her assistant or somebody to tell her that and he didn't he kind of just either forgot or didn't do it so he mentions his job in the limo and how seriously he takes that so i'm sure that's challenging if he's bringing a lot of that kind of home with him and then i mean goes out he seems like a tightly wound new yorker yeah 100 he's yeah. ripping he's ripping cigs every like five years <laughs> i mean he's going off um real quick i i did want to i i hate to like break the momentum but go ahead the the watch thing if i'm not yeah. mistaken that that's also kind of like a little bit of a plant thing, right? Right. Is yeah. it because is it okay. the same one? Because that that's what it doesn't look like a Rolex. That's what I was it saying. Does, yeah. I, I, I couldn't tell if it was the I same think, one. I think it is. I think okay. it is, but I think it's like supposed to be. That's the meaning of it, is is letting that whatever go or whatever. Yeah. But okay. it doesn't I look at it, I'm like, that's like a Timex watch. That ain't no goddamn Rolex. <laughs> it took me like a thousand times. And then last night when I watched it again, I'm like, oh shit. That's yeah, yeah. I think I, I heard that in some Netflix documentary I watched okay. on it or something. Okay. Yeah, we we're kind of ruining movies for people yeah, too because yeah, we've, you, we've jumped. <laughs> Yeah, the 30, because it, 35 years if you have not seen Die Hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, it's okay. Spoiler alert from 1988, <laughs> but we're, we're going to jump all around. We'll, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it later on. But yeah, nice. uh, that Rolex is definitely a plant, I think. Uh, we cut back to outside. The evil truck is approaching and enters the parking garage. And so does, what is it, a Mercedes, a BMW, I don't know, cars. A really fancy car pulls up with the truck. Mm-hmm. The security guy sees the truck pull in the garage on his monitor, sees the car pull up in front of the building. Out walk two men. One looks like a member of a Swedish metal band. His long, flowing, blonde locks. This man is Carl. <laughs> the other is a very enthusiastic African-American gentleman named Theo. They walk through the revolving door. They seem to be talking about a recent basketball game. While quickly walking up to the security desk, Carl takes out a gun with a silencer and pop! Shoots the security guy in the head. Theo yells, boom! Two points. 
I kind of like it already. He hops over the desk, kicks away the security guard, takes out a walkie-talkie, and says, we're in. I already like the dynamic of this team. Because even when he's walking in, like, you get sucked into what he's saying, too. Because he's like, Kareem passes, he jumps, and the guys are just walking, like, casually, and boom. And I was like, what, what, what is going on? Yeah, and we get our character... I don't know if it's the first time, but we certainly get a character, the the slightly geeky computer guy that can solve everything on some kind of caper or break in or, and I don't know if it's the first movie that's done it, but it's for me kind of the first movie I remember seeing something like that in it. Um, and then it's, it's just happened a million times since then, but. Theo, I love Theo. The truck in the parking garage begins backing up. Theo sits behind a desk and starts hacking into the system, a la Caleb in Nathan's house in Ex Machina. Machina. What was it? Machina. Ex Machina. Machina. <laughs> You'll get it, Sean. Don't Check out our last episode 20 featuring Andrew Herman of Johnny Booth, where I probably mess up the name of it in that episode as well. Carl begins walking up the elevators, but there's another guard. Carl rolls what looks like a hockey puck over to him, but it's like a flashbang grenade and blinds the guard. Carl, Carl spins around the corner, pops him with the silencer as well. Truck backs up to the loading dock. The back of the truck opens up, and a group of eight to ten men come marching out. Mm-hmm. Note, looking inside the truck, it is empty. Nothing mm-hmm. is in it but the men. hmm Keep that in mind. The men are marching. The camera focuses on our badass in the middle. A steam-looking gentleman seems to be leading the pack. The pack. The dramatic music hits. This is when we realize this is our villain, who I'm also putting into the In Madness Villain Hall of Fame alongside Miss Carmody from The Mist and Mr. Jang from the Dreaded Lucy episode. Nice. Here, here we have Hans fucking Gruber. <laughs> We see Theo hacking the security system, shutting down all the elevators, delightfully humming to himself. He also closes the gate in the garage and shuts down the escalators. So they are fully invading this place. The elevator door opens, out walks Hans and his thugs. Theo begins ripping wires out of the computers, kicking security equipment, blowing it up. The other men begin running around the lobby, taking their positions. One guy gets behind the security desk, puts on a security vest. Han walks over to the... Hans walks to the front door, looks around, swipes a card, locking it, tosses the key to the fake security guard. Out walks Theo holding a big bag and meets Hans in the lobby. The men walk to the elevators. On another floor, another man pops out and begins navigating his way through the building as if he knows exactly where to go. He walks up to the device which houses all the phone wires that these metal tubes they're fed through. He uses a saw to open the back of the panel and exposes all of these phone wires. We cut to the poor stupid John sitting in Holly's office with his shoes off, mm-hmm. making fists with his toes on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Payoff. I love a good payoff. Yeah, and he's already got the, he's just in his, what becomes his iconic look with the tank top as well. And um, the they said that costume department made had to make 17 of them in various stages of like, disarray he goes he goes son of a bitch he laughs to himself and he goes fists with your toes he (laughs) opens his wallet we see the family picture that holly put face down on her desk and he's got argyle's card we cut to the man with the phone wires clamping clipping phone wires i guess to make sure no calls go in or out 
Mm-hmm. John picks up a phone, calls Argyle. He's blasting music in the limo in the garage. He asks how it's going. John says no votes yet. Cut back to the guy with the phone wires. who seems to be rerouting or keeping track of all these phone lines so he can control it or whatever. But up walks big bad Carl. He's humming to himself, which I like. Puts on a helmet. He approaches the man fiddling with the cables. They begin speaking in German to each other. And Carl starts revving up a chainsaw. The other guy starts panicking and saying something like, no, I'm not ready. Carl's not having it. Takes a chainsaw and chops through all the metal tubing that connects to all the cables. The dude starts rushing to finish clamping the phone lines. And he finishes the last one right before Carl cuts through everything. Can you, can someone explain this to me, Joe? Can you explain this to me? I don't, I never got this. What's happening here. Yeah, I did look at that phone thing, and I'm like, that that's just for dramatic effect, I think. I what is it I have matter? no idea either. Like, I don't understand, like, the correlation between him clipping away and him just sawing right through it. Like, is there an alarm or something? Like, what are they I, – I never got that either. And, what, yeah, and, because... like, and he's doing it to his own guy. Like, he's yeah. possibly sabotaging – the whole mission, which is like, yeah, I, I think I, I guess you're just building that. Like Carl's just, or is that the dude that's his brother also? Yeah, it so is. So he's just screwing with him too because it's his brother. It Probably. might be like a foil thing. I mean, like one's a little more like meticulous, the other one's like more brutish, kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it adds tension there that he's got to get it clipped. So we. But I, but I just didn't I just didn't understand it because I was like even if it sets the alarm off we da- later on go down that road of having alarms go off and people be called and they have somebody at the desk to handle different things so you know um, I, yeah I told I that part to this day I still don't I, I still don't understand but and do they do that often have they done this before that he's got that move that he's just gonna change all through. <laughs> All those other wires. That's this is all character building that makes you wonder what else happened between the two of these guys. What was the discussion when they're in the back of that truck on the way there? Was he giving them a hard time, telling them you better get down there quick, or I'm going to chop through those wires? <laughs> right? Like you can see, just riding in. That's the movie I want. I want the the terrorists in the Pacific Carrier the truck. truck riding. Yeah, riding there. Who said we were terrorists? Yeah. The phone on John's line with Argyle goes dead. The guy with the phone cables looks angrily at Carl like he goes, you son of a bitch. You could have ruined this. Carl smiles and walks away. Back inside the elevator with Hans. Other dudes are ripping open duffel bags, taking out huge guns. They arrive on the floor of the party. The doors open. We hear the orchestral music playing. These poor sons of bitches have no idea what's coming. The men walk out of the elevator, packing serious heat. No one notices. Han gets out and smiles devilishly. Cut the John messing with the phone, trying to figure out what's happening. Pop, 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 pop. Machine guns firing. People begin screaming. John gets right into cop mode. Knows exactly what to do. Grabs his gun, cracks open the door, sees what's going on outside. Men firing guns, pulling everyone out of offices. They're making their way to John. He looks to his left and sees an exit sign, his escape route leading to the stairs. We hear a woman screaming. It's the couple that bursted in the door earlier next door, banging on someone's desk. We get the obligatory 70s boob shot as they drag her out of the room. All the men are smiling, laughing, stoked that they got to see some boobs on this mission. The men walk into Holly's office, look around, but it's empty. Cut to inside the stairwell. He made it. John McClane running barefoot up the steps. 
didn't have time to put his shoes back on after making fists with his toes. And, and you know what's funny about these terrorists? So if you watched it, you watched it with the the subtitles on the captions, Sean. Um, so they they're portrayed as German, although there's some Italian being spoken too. But the majority of the dialogue is kind of gibberish. There's lots of dialogue in the scenes where they're just kind of throwing words together. So they don't even have, it'll just say speaking German on. The, yeah. On yeah. The there was line. never words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was an actual words. Um, and then they kind of fixed it for the VHS release somewhat. But um, when they released it overseas, they weren't German really. They were just supposed to be like kind of uh, generically European is what is what they were. So they released it in Germany and other places. They just kind of made them more more generic so i don't know if you know they're dubbing it so they could have just dubbed in you know other other languages uh it's definitely a a twisted cast of characters everyone with their own strange sense of humor which i take a lot of joy in seeing uh he goes upstairs at 31 he cracks open the door and sees men rolling in big cases we cut back to the lobby hans is standing there while all the employees are being rounded up and screaming guns are firing off there's and they're stoned ass Ellis, coked out of his gourd. He's sweating. He's telling Takagi and Holly not to worry. Everything's going to be fine. But he's like, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and they both roll their eyes at him. We cut the John up a few flights of stairs and finds a floor that seems to be empty. There's construction going on because it's only half built. Uh, do you know the gnarly bit about like the construction site and how they just like used stuff around? They were like, hey, let's use this in the movie. And let's like have like the thing with the roller and let's jump on that and let's do like play with these. Oh chairs. yeah. 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 No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause it was actually under construction, I think while they were doing it. So they just used some of the actual construction gear to make it like, I guess more real or whatever. Nice. Uh, John finds a phone, but the lines cut, he slams it down. He goes, think looks off in the distance in another building. You see a girl in a t-shirt walking around her apartment. Fucking McLean, get your mind out of the gutter and your eyes on the prize, man. <laughs> this is another running theme throughout this movie. Cut to everyone in the lobby panicking, screaming. Hans is standing there cool, calm, putting his hands up gently, holding a planner in one hand or something. Softly mm -hmm. speaking, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. You will be witness. Badass. <laughs> who's who's more badass than Hans Gruber? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you name me a better villain? Yeah, a few, but it's okay. I mean, okay, I would Sean, I'm give got, it to you. Hans, I know you guys hate ranking stuff, but I mean Hans gotta be in the top five, right? 100 yeah, percent Yeah. Top top three? Top three. Villains of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> but I but I I'll make lists, so yeah, they're I all know. tied for first place. I love Hans. Uh he goes, Where is Mr. Takagi? He goes to move, but Holly grabs him by the arm to hold him. Josh Joseph Yushinubu Takagi, 
born Kyoto 1937. Family emigrated to California in 1939. Interned at Man Manzanar from 1942 to 1943. Scholarship student, University of California, 1955. Law degree, Stanford, 1962. MBA, Harvard, 1970. President, Nakatomi Trading. Vice Chairman, Nakatomi Investment Group. Hans knows everything. Yeah, and let's break that down real quick. So, born in 1937 would make him 51. In yeah, this I film. guess this is seven. Yeah, yeah. He looks much older than 51. <laughs> uh, and then he mentions Manzanar, which is a Japanese internment camp, one of 10 American concentration camps where 120,000 Japanese Americans were incarcerated during Christ. World War II from 1942 to 1945. And then they gave him a little backstory that's not in the movie that he served in the Japanese Navy in World War II. And he served on a ship called the Akagi, hence the password to the vault, which translated means mm -hmm. Red Castle. Mm -hmm. so. oh, poor Takagi. Annoyed, he gets <laughs> up and he says, enough. Hans turns around, finishes what he's saying. And father of five. Mm. The man goes, I am Takagi. Han stops, smiles, and softly says, how do you do? Extends his hand. The men shake. Han says, it's a pleasure to meet you. Carl grabs Takagi. The crowd gasps as the men walk off. Hans takes a quick look at Holly and walks away. What do you guys think? Is Takagi doomed? First time you're watching this, do you think he is screwed? Just by how much Hans knows. Honestly, I feel like it's... It's a crazy move when, like, the villain knows how many kids you have right there. Yeah. Like, that's that's threatening. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I was thinking no good, Sean, or Takagi's oh, in on it. In on it. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> I should have known. It's I should have known. Yeah. I'm, I'm always looking. Time. We're doing great, right? Yeah, you're doing great, Hans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just go in the other room. Boy, you really scared them, huh? They don't worry about it. Colas, yeah. Yeah, because maybe Takagi's gonna take off with all the money, you know, all the stuff with him too. So oh my god. Oh, you yeah. are fucking hilarious. <laughs> priceless. You are priceless. Uh, we cut the John another floor. He opens the door, sees a room full of computers. He closes it, continues up, making a map for himself. 32 construction, 33 computers. Cut to Hans and his goons and Takagi in an elevator. Hans is just calmly humming to himself. He eyeballs Takagi and says, nice suit, John Phillips, London. Takagi shoots him a look. How the hell do you know that? Hans laughs and says, I have two myself. Rumor has it Arafat buys his there. Hmm. This dude is like a Bond villain. He's wearing a suit and tie. He's not got army tactical gear like these other goons do. These aren't some bum-ass losers trying this. It seems to be a very highly educated and wealthy man out to make some sort of a statement. We cut to John. He's up another flight, cracks open a door, sees men wheeling in something big. He gets a glance at it and sees one word, or well, a couple of words, guided missile, intercept aerial. John closes the door. He heads back downstairs. Hans and his thugs are walking th <laughs> through Takagi's office. 
maybe colluding with each other. <laughs> These giant, expensive, ancient artifacts are everywhere, plus miniature designs of other business endeavors, I'm sure. One looks like a chemical plant. Another one looks like an offshore oil rig. I kind of just want to, like, step on them like Godzilla. That's that's all I think about every time I see them. It's like, I would love to crush these things under my weight. Uh Hans approaches another and says, when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer and stops in front of a miniature model of Nakatomi Plaza. When he does this, if you look closely, he looks from the very top of the building and then slowly looks down all the way at the bottom, which is pretty hmm. funny. And and that's, uh, he's talking about Alexander, Alexander the Great. And that quote it's interesting some people think that it's um sort of him lamenting all of his father's victories that he had and there were no conquests left for him or that after his conquests that he had there had there was no no more left for him so it's kind of like open open ended a little bit there but it it comes the quote comes from a 1927 readers digest article so <laughs> He says the benefits of a classical education and looks to his left and says, oh, that's beautiful. Approaches this miniature of, I guess, like a design for a highway or a roadway of some sort. Hans is like, I enjoyed making models as a boy. The exactness, the attention to every conceivable detail. This mm -hmm. is Hans' game plan. Takagi stops him and says, is this what this is all about? Our project in Indonesia? And John begins sneaking up on Takagi's office. Takagi goes, we're going to develop that region, not exploit it. Hans knows. He read the article in Forbes. He smiles and says, Mr. Takagi, I could talk about industrialization and men's fashion all day, but work must intrude, and my associate Theo has some questions for you. Sort of fill-in-the-blanks questions, actually. <laughs> walks him into the part of another office where Theo is hard at work. He walks up to his computer and is asking for a code. Takagi says he does not have it. You broke in here to access our computer. Any information you get when they wake up in Tokyo in the morning, they'll change it. I love that they have to wait till they wake up in the morning. <laughs> you can't blackmail our executives or threaten our profit. Hans yells, sit down. He says he's not interested in the computer, but I need the code key because I am interested in the $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds that you have locked in your vault and the computers control the vault. Takagi's like, you want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Hans laughs and says, who said we were terrorists? <laughs> Such a badass. John is now right on their ass. He's hiding behind the mini model of the roadway they were just standing by. He's climbing around trying to remain hidden. He hears Hans talking to Takagi, but he can't get a good look at his face. Hans is telling Takagi he understands why he's reluctant to give him the codes. This isn't anything significant. It's not the education of your children. The bonds represent 10 days operating capital for your parent organization. It's really no more than a temporary inconvenience. Leans back in his chair and says, now removes the silencer from his gun places it on the table and says the code please takagi is sweating i'm sweating this is tense as hell he says it's useless to you there's seven safeguards in the vault and the key is only one you'll never get it open han says so there's no reason not to tell us theo says to carl i told you hmm. carl says it's not over yet 
Hans looks at them both confused, like, what the hell are you two going on about? Hans goes, it's a very nice suit, Mr. Takagi. It would be a shame to ruin it. Uh, oh. Hans says, I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. <sighs> Badass. Give me the code. One. Grabs his gun. Two. Three. Takagi's like, I don't know it. I'm telling you. Get on a jet to Tokyo. Ask the chairman. I'm telling you. You're just going to have to kill me. Hans goes, okay, pop, and shoots Takagi in the face. What? I guess they're not in on it together, Vertebrae. No, that ended my theory right at that exact moment. (laughs) (laughs) So it's over. Do you remember what you guys were thinking the first time you saw this happen? I just, they're ruthless. This is a ruthless bunch. Super focused, super, like you said, you know, they're, He's dressed up and super intelligent, and it just seems like they must have everything figured out. Who could stop them? Who? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one man blowing his brains all over the glass wall in perfect view of John McClane, who's completely shocked. Takagi falls to the floor dead. Hans gets up and says, we'll do it the hard way. I fucking love this. Carl folds up a bill hands it to Theo. They were betting on if Hans was going to shoot this guy or not. (laughs) These two are hilarious. I want the prequel of their story. I want the prequel of Theo and Carl. Yeah, like they were friends or something. They were little kids. Robbing the the 7-Eleven. The first heist. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I just thought of that way. It's the robbing the 7-Eleven. So when I was I I didn't do this. Quick aside, but wink, wink, allegedly. No, no, I seriously (laughs) didn't do this. But uh, I I was observing this that uh, when I was little, this kid pretended that he fell off his bike in the parking lot of the 7-Eleven so that the 7-Eleven guy would run out to go check on the kid and then they took all like the penny candies and all that stuff at the bottom <laughs> of the and then went all, all like run it out it's funny because wow. I don't think anybody took anything good right they just took all the cheap stuff that probably didn't matter anyway but it's usually <laughs> just candy that I used were. to love those like the cigarette the sugar cigarettes where you could puff them and like blow like sugar smoke yeah, those are not even, they call them candy sticks now. So they're not, yeah, yeah you can't call them cigarettets anymore. I, but... Yeah, I used to pick them up at the Jelly Bean on, uh, what is it, Union Union Turnpike, and uh, I forget the other block. Yeah, shout out to Jelly oh, nice. Bean. I'm sure that doesn't exist uh, anymore. In New, in New York, we have to specify. In New York, in Queens, yeah. Yeah, so our Hans- international listeners know. know hey, we got, about. don't we have somebody? I oh, know, do we have We do, we do have a few international Cool. Make sure you hit us on the socials at In Madness Pod or in the for now winning in the poll. Hit us in the mail sack in madnesspod at gmail.com to ask us about any of our episodes or our guests, whether it's Joe Miro from Creepy Canvases or Herman from Johnny Booth or Chef Brian from Lost Becomes and Mission Sandwich. If you have not picked up, I'm not going to plug the sandwich. Pick up the Hail Sean Sandwich at Mission Sandwich in Brooklyn. Joe, Joe, have you picked one up yet? I, I haven't had a chance to, but <laughs> neither have me. I will. Vertebrae. <laughs> I will. Well, Sean, you've had it on your own, but not. I've together. had it on my own. We got to go on a date. Yes. Hans yeah. tells Carl to check on Heinrich on the machine floor. Startled, McLean moves from his position, but makes some noise, which gets the boy's attention. The guys run out of the office and begin checking every room. One door is locked. Sure as shit. There's McLean hiding. Carl says it was nothing. Hans tells him, check on Heinrich. 
Hans talking over his shoulder. Theo says, now you can break the code. And Theo goes, you didn't just bring me along for my charming personality. But in my mind, I'm thinking that part of Hans probably did bring Theo along for his charming personality. <laughs> Hans smiles, walks away. John is talking to himself. Argyle, tell me you heard the shots and called the cops. The police are on the way. Cut to downstairs in the parking garage. There's Argyle not hearing the shots and not calling the cops. Police are not on the way. Mm -hmm. Argyle's got the music cranked, talking to one of his girls, telling her he's coming over later. Cut to more thugs. Heinrich, Uli, and Marco upstairs. All these big machines blowing steam everywhere. I don't know what they are or why. I guess that's what elevator banks are supposed to look like. Yeah, like I don't the know. Cave. You, know you know that? What is no. that? The boys have cord wrapped up on a spool. Heinrich on walkie-talkie tells Hans they are on the roof. The guys are crawling around between these big machines and these pipes. They're pulling all this wire. They're put, putting uh, things all over the walls. We cut the Theo talking to Hans. 30 minutes to break the code. Two hours for the five mechanicals at the minimum. The seventh lock, however, is out of my hands. Theo swipes a key card. The wall opens up. These two huge doors. Hans approaches, folds his arms, stares down at this enormous sealed vault. He looks back at Theo and snaps out of this daze he's in and goes, I'm sorry, what? Theo repeats the seventh lock, the electromagnetic seal. You do understand the circuits cannot be cut locally. Hans smiles and goes, trust me. And Sean, I'm going to stop you there. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stop you there. There's seven what? locks. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. How many locks do they have to get through? Seven. <laughs> Film may take place only one over one day, but we get our theme of seven. Once Joe, again. are you familiar with the seven theme on In Madness Pod? Somehow Vertebrae manages to tie every single movie we do into seven. I mean, listen, it's a, it's a very significant number. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And there it uh, is. Does each lock have a sin? I mean, it represents. Oh, oh man! Oh no! I didn't even think of that. Oh, no. I didn't think of that. As they get through each lock Creed. in the film, do we see them exhibit? Oh, sins man. that go along with each sloth section. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Uh, cut the John back on the floor with the construction yelling at himself. Why didn't you stop them from killing Takagi? He knows it would have cost him his life as well. He's yelling to himself. Think, goddammit, think. Sees the fire sprinkler, looks over, sees the fire alarm. Cut to downstairs, security desk. Hans, goons tell him they've got a fire alarm triggered. Hans is like, call 911. Give the guards the name, building code number. Cancel the alarm. Disable the system. On what floor did the alarm go off? Mm -hmm. Cut to John watching the fire engines come. He's celebrating, saying, come to pop. I'll kiss your Dalmatian. But one by one, the lights turn off and all the fire trucks turn around. And John begins screaming, you stupid motherfuckers. No. <laughs> Behind him, the elevator door dings and up walks one of Hans cronies. He's looking for John. He knows he's there. The fire has been ca called off, my friend. No one is coming to help you. Come out and join the others. And he cocks his gun loudly and goes, I promise I won't hurt you. <laughs> that's Tony. Is that Tony? I think that's Heinrich. Oh, okay. I think that's Heinrich. Joe, do you know? No, I, he's like, I don't I, know these dudes' names. I remember Marco. 
Yeah, yeah. And who's the blonde guy that looks like Jeff Loomis? <laughs> the, Wait, this is blonde. <laughs> like, so yeah, there's the guy, oh what Carl, the main guy? That's Carl. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Carl and Mark. So there's there's Franco. Yep. Tony. Alexander. Marco. Christoph. Eddie. Uli. Heinrich. Oh, Fritz. God. For a second, James, I thought there was going to be seven goons. James <laughs> and the and Theo. And Hans, who's in charge. But wait, so I got some gnarly bits about some of these goons also later. I feel like they're I had in my notes somewhere that they they all look like they listen to the band except. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel when they were riding over that truck that they were they were and, and scorpions were, and shit because they're German. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rock you like a hurricane on the way to Nakatomi Plaza. And then I love this, like a horror movie. Ooh, maybe a saw blade begins going off. Mm-hmm. Crony runs over, but there's nobody there. Now he's being hunted. And from behind a gun, Cox points at his neck. McLean says, drop it, dickhead. It's the police. You won't hurt me. There's rules for policemen. And McLean goes, yeah, that's what my captain keeps telling me. He <laughs> elbows the dude in the face. They start fighting. John's choking the guy. They crash through these metal beams. Sheetrock crash through a door, tumble down the steps. You hear a break. The man makes a noise. Then silence. Mm-hmm. Broke his neck. He's dead. Cut to Theo. He's broken the first of the seven seals on the lock. Oh. <gasps> The computers ask if he want, wishes to proceed. And he goes, you bet your ass. Then fires up a large drill pointed at the vault. Cut to John going through the dead guy's bag. He's got ammo, walkie-talkie, lighter, fake ID. Checks his clothes and pats him down. John's trying on the guy's shoes. No luck. Nine million terrorists in the world. I got to kill one with feet smaller than my sister. <laughs> and this movie, <clears throat> these quips, this humor that goes along with it, I think it was imitated a lot in movies after this too. I think it's pretty influential in, in that way too. We we it's like connected hu- humor to the everyman and John. He's talking to himself. He's making jokes to himself. It's just it helps as an audience us connect to him more, and then in turn we're more involved in the movie because not only is he our hero and we want him to succeed, but we start putting ourselves in that situation. Like, would I think of that? Would I be able to do that? I don't think I would do that part. Like, you know, are you out once you have to start running around barefoot? Like, where where does the where do you draw the line, Joe? And all the times you've seen this, have you ever been like, "Hey, I could do this part of Die Hard successfully"? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> you uh, jump off the building with the hose wrapped around you. <laughs> that definitely not. Definitely. Not. Oh I'd be lucky if I could fit in the vent. I mean, you can't, <laughs> that's a, the whole I movie like is like psychotic. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. Did you ever play? I, I want to ask both of you. Ever play the Die Hard arcade game? I think it was on Sega Sa- Sega Dreamcast or one of the Sega, uh, hmm. and they had it in the actual arcade. Uh, it was. It's such a great, great game. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I think nice. it was Dream. I forget which console it was. I'm trying to look it up right now, and it's not helping me in any way, shape, or form. But <laughs> uh, yeah, great game, great game. Uh, he kicks the shoes away. We get John and the dead guy in the elevator. The dead dude is just sitting in a chair. 
Let me get my pen ready. John looks over and sees a plastic Santa Claus with tinsel and some Christmas lights. Mm -hmm. He smiles to himself. He gets in the elevator, goes down half a floor, hits the emergency stop, climbs out the elevator and sends the dead dude down on his way. Cut to Hans in the lobby, sitting down and enjoying himself some party food, which I love. He's just making himself right at home. Calmly telling all the frightened workers he wanted to be professional, efficient, adult, cooperative. But Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he will not be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> Great line. Camera zooms in slowly on Holly's shocked face. Han says this can be any way you want it. You can walk out or be carried out. Have no illusions. We are in charge. Decide now, each of you. Ding, like fucking cabin in the woods. Elevator <laughs> dings. And the horror opens. A thug looks inside, shocked. Behind him, we hear Han say, please remember, we have left nothing to chance. Uh-uh, Hans. Right on cue. We hear bells jingling in the background. And inside the elevator, we got a dead dude covered in blood wearing a Santa hat. A woman sees inside the elevator, begins screaming, alarmed Hans gets up and runs to the elevator, written on the dude's uh, dead dude's sweater, and I guess it blood? What does it say, Joe? Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Now I, I have, have a machine, a machine gun. gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Doug thinks it's the security guard they missed. Hans is like, no way. They're usually tired old policemen growing fat on pension. This is something else. Hans begins yelling, annoyed in German above the elevator. We see John sticking his head in the elevator shaft, listening to the conversation right above them. Hans says to the thug, tell Carl his brother is dead. Mm -hmm. We see Johnny's keeping tally of all the thugs. He's writing on his forearm with a marker, kind of like I'm doing to find out how much of a diehard Christmas movie this is. That that right there is something. One, I, I couldn't have pulled off the elevator thing just now. Where he was in it and then stopped climbed it, out of it stop and yeah. climbed out and opened that up but i would have not thought let me write these guys names down because why why would that even matter if you knew their names like it, it matters because he's attempting to take control of the situation but i would be just wanting to be like alive and try to get my wife out alive i wouldn't be trying to like take kind of take control of what's what's going on but it it's all his training you know as a police officer i also think he was probably just super intense as that person which probably added to a little bit of stress and strain on their on their relationship too because it it seems even early on he's in the lobby and he's kind of eyeing up the cameras and looking weird at the security the real security guard so he just seems like the He's the perfect guy to be on his own in this building in this situation um, because he's skeptical of everything from the beginning of all these people in this, you know, these California. People in California that he doesn't <laughs> like. And, and yeah, he's just he's just off the plane and kind of not trusting anybody. Really, the only person in a little bit will meet somebody else he trusts. But 
The only person is Argyle. Right Argyle. Now. Yep. My man, Argyle. Thanks, Argyle, for getting Run DMC Christmas and Hollis on the In Madness playlist. Man, we how see is John it not Ke- a Funko Pop? Uh, Argyle Funko Pop. Oh, make it happen. Come John, on. My, my, little, my little John McClain is so lonely. He doesn't <laughs> have any friends to hang out with. Yeah. We see John keeping a tally of the thugs. He's writing on his forearm with a marker. He's got a tally of six thugs. He's writing names down. Hans, Carl. He sees moving above him, above him in the elevator. All of a sudden, the elevator begins moving quickly all the way up to the top. John seems scared shitless like he's going to get crushed like Emilio Estevez in Mission Impossible. That's a deep cut. I don't know if you saw that one. <laughs> he, he ducks. The elevator stops, giving him just enough room to scurry off. He climbs out of the elevator shaft and walks to the other side. He passes some naked booby playboy pictures taped to the electronics which seems to stop him dead in his tracks for a moment damn it mclean focus he says like hey girls or something like when he comes when he comes for now he just for now he just looks he will be back (laughs) he will be and he does it at a very weird time he goes to the other side of the elevator shaft and he climbs down we cut to carl the head thug he is pissed his brother is dead he flips over a desk in agony hans throws him against the wall carl wants blood hans says he'll have it we uh put uh but let heinrich oh so it wasn't heinrich because uh that was tony it was tony okay tony uh heinrich let heinrich plant the detonators theo prepare the vault after we call the police they'll waste hours trying to negotiate then you can tear the building apart looking for this man until then do not alter the plan and carl goes and if he alters it hans was not considering that and he lets carl go outside ellis tells holly what do you think she thinks something's wrong ellis goes cops holly knows and goes john Ellis gets pissed. He's going to fuck this whole thing up. Holly says he's doing his job. Ellis goes, bullshit. His job's 3,000 miles away. Without him, we still have a chance. We might be able to get out of here. And she goes, tell that to Takagi. Oof. Dude is deader than dead. Cut the John. He heads to the roof. He goes, he's overlooking California. Takes out the walkie-talkie he got from the dead dude. Mayday. Anyone. Channel 9. Terrorists. See the Nakatomi building holding at least 30 hostages. We hear this over every walkie-talkie, including Hans. Carl hears it, too, and looks at Hans like, I told you! God damn it! John continues, unknown number of terrorists, six or more armed with automatic weapons at Nakatomi Plaza. Hans is panicking, wondering where's the best place to transmit? The roof! And there goes Carl. And then this is so, so frustrating. We cut to emergency services. They see the call coming from the same place as the fire call. This is two calls. Same place. Woman tells him this channel is reserved for emergencies only. Why aren't they listening to him? Why are they making him like Dr. Loomis in Halloween? Just listen to the man. (laughs) Angrily, McLean yells, no fucking shit. You think I'm ordering a pizza? Carl and his thugs are heading to the roof. Carl says, no one kills him but me. John on the walkie-talkie says, they already killed one hostage. They're fortifying their positions while you're jerking me off on the radio. Send police. Of course, annoyed the emergency dispatcher is like, sir, I already told you. This is a reserved channel. If there's an emergency, dial 911. Otherwise, I'll have to report this to the FCC. Ugh. McLean yells, fine, report me. Come down here. Arrest me. Send police. And pop, pop, pop. Machine guns are firing at him. Dumbass dispatchers hear the shots. 
They tear out their earpieces from how loud it is and still annoyed. They go, eh, send a car yeah. over there, I guess. What's crazy is that they're threatening with the FCC. He's asking for police to come. So why would he be care that they're going to, yeah. you know, report him to why, the FCC? Why would they say this help. is a reserve channel if you have an emergency? Like, why isn't that if it's an emergency, you can't just take it on your reserve channel? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm shot. I'm bleeding, sir. Hang up and dial nine one one. Please fill out this form as well. There's an online form you have to fill out. Sign that PDF and send it back to us. What's your insurance? No, we don't. We don't take that insurance. I'm sorry, sir. Die. Oh, <laughs> God bless America. Cut to my man Carl Winslow from <laughs> Family Matters. He's our cop. And he's also a cop on Family Matters? Is this the same world? Oh. Perhaps. Oh. Live Chicago. It was was he well, oh was the Family Matters in Chicago? Yeah. Uh, with, with the alternate timeline. Yeah. Joe slinging family. You got any other Family Matters facts for us? Urkel, Urkel facts? Mm. What was his? No. What was the uh, the the neighbor? Uh, the the weird kid, Dwayne. What was? Uh, I haven't watched TGIF in so long. That's all I used to do. Was like Snick on Saturday, TGIF on Friday. Man, I'm just being a kid. Uh, yeah, I love Family Matters. He's clearing the rack Great of Twinkies. Uh, and and uh, let it snow is playing in the background on the radio as he sings yep. to himself write that one down that and down. twinkies where where do you stand on twinkies joe <sighs> okay you guys are gonna think i'm a psychopath first time i had a twinkie was like two years ago never really? had it in my life i'm a funny bone guy i like the okay. chocolate, uh, oh, peanut okay. butter yeah. yeah that's my kind All of right. thing i don't like yellow cake with vanilla it's too <laughs> Too plain yellow or... dye number five yeah well they I mean, they're all right around. though in short they're pretty good you ever have a yeah. fried twinkie no but i i probably should i you ever oh. i mean i recently this day i mean i'm telling you guys right now there's this spot in long island fuck i forgot the name of it there's a hot dog spot in long island and they got these awesome hot dogs but they also got fried devil dogs and man, do, do I love devil dogs? And not only do I love devil dogs, I love me a good fried devil dog. I've never had. Wow, Damn. that sounds great. Okay. So yeah, Twinkie. The what is it? That's like the Armageddon snack, right? Yeah, yeah and he, every time I watch this movie, I want Twinkies. After I watch <laughs> this movie, it's a great product placement because you just—it's not something. It's not like we buy it and have it in the house, but you just kind of crave it, I think. like Hit I mean, that 7-Eleven. Hit that yeah. bike. Fall, fall off your bike, and then I'll go in and fucking snack. It. <laughs> it's the Twinkies, and what are those? Like, there's those, like, orange iced cupcakes. They're, like, iced with orange. With yeah, with the orange. No, white filling. Oh, I love yeah. those, too. Yeah. They have like, a chocolate like one, a hostess, and then the like orange yes, one. chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good. Let us know your favorite snacks on the socials at In Madness Pod. Thank you, uh, uh, Detective Powell, for clearing the rack of the Twinkies. Uh, let us know is playing. He's singing to himself. The guy at the register goes, I thought you guys ate donuts. He goes, they're for my wife. The guy goes, yeah. Cop says, she's pregnant. Clerk goes, yeah. Cop slams his money down and says, bag it. The guys laugh. 
Dispatch call comes over the radio. Code to Nakatomi Plaza. I'm on my way. Throws his Twinkies in the car, walks over to the street, and it's right there. Nakatomi Plaza. And also, if I'm not mistaken, does the gasoline sign say 75 cents? Mm. Uh, yeah. That made my bunghole hurt. <laughs> Why? Is that, is, where, it, is that where you it, put gas? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just for what we're paying now and how we paid more, but isn't it? And I think gas is even more expensive in California because yeah, it's like yeah. $8. So if, if that's true and that was that then, then if it's 75 cents there, does that mean in like New York it was like 25 cents maybe oh my poor and if you're listening to this podcast in the future like five years or so what's gas yeah yeah Yeah, what's what's gasoline Neanderthals? (laughs) 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 we cut to the roof of nakatomi shots are popping off mclean is in deep shit carl is approaching him slowly with his gun he sees mclean and fires but misses mclean shoots a door lock ramps through the door and heads back inside the men chase after he heads back down the elevator shaft he gets off at the same spot he was at before with the playboy ladies and their naked boobies taped to the wall and never losing sight of his favorite thing in the world even after being shot at on the roof he goes right up to the picture and touches it lovingly and says girls Mm-hmm. He heads back down the ele- other elevator shaft, but there's terrorists on all sides. McLean is trapped. His only way out is down another shaft that I'm not really sure what the hell this shaft is. It, there's no suspension cables or anything. It's just this abyss of a shaft leading to other floors. It's like an air vent, I guess. This is their central AC for the building, I guess. Yeah, I don't this know. movie. Uh, uh, it's funny because I'm going to say it's an action movie and I love it. But all of the action bits with the elevator shaft and the other air shafts kind of confuses me and starts to occupy some of the same space in my brain. And instead, <laughs> I remember his quips or I remember his inner his interactions with other people or, you know, his soon to be friend over the walkie talkie, stuff like that. But uh, I get confused by this construction zone slash air shaft stuff. it's all very convenient for what they need it for yeah yep. yeah um, mclean panics he's only got one way out begins taking the strap off his machine gun carl and the thugs are right on mclean's ass using only his gun as leverage to hold him up he wedges the gun in the opening and using the gun strap begins rappelling down the gigantic chasm of an air shaft uh, Hans is yelling at Carl on the walkie-talkie. Lock him in the elevators. Deal with them later. Cops are coming. I can hold them off, but not if they hear gunshots. You have to lock him in. And Carl reaches over and turns off the radio. Whoa. Mm. McLean is freaking out, hanging on for dear life. And, of course, the strap begins slipping out of the gun because it can't hold all his weight. John is reaching for dear life to grab onto another air shaft he can climb into but the strap slips completely out of the gun he falls a floor or two missing the shaft he was originally going for bounces off but miraculously grabs onto another air shaft but he makes a lot of noise doing this carl and the thugs hear it mclean climbs into the air shaft like dallas in alien and begins making his way through the duct He reaches in his pocket, pulls out the lighter, (laughs) lights it to see where he's going. 
And this is the Christmas ornament part I was going to bring up where I've seen oh. the Christmas ornament of this where it's just the box and in it you see McLean holding the lighter. Uh, I'll post that on the Id Madness socials. I should add that to the tree. I just put up my tree yesterday. I got all the cool ornaments. I don't have any normal christmas ornaments i got 15 <laughs> godzillas on the tree right now uh my girl has all the christmasy ornaments the most christmasy thing i have it's a snowflake but each part of the snowflake says fuck on it but you can't tell because <laughs> it's in like script and it looks like a snowflake it's really cool mm. uh yeah i want to see your ornaments it's the holidays i know you got your tree up or whatever i want to see joe's i want to see vertebrae's and if you're listening on it madness monday i want to see your cool ornaments at it madness pod uh, he begins making his way through the duct. Uh, in front of him, he sees a long, uncomfortable path. He must now wiggle through. And annoyed, says to himself, "Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs." <laughs> he puts out the light, but Carl is looking in the shaft and sees the light go out and knows McLean is in there. He rushes down. McLean is crawling through this dark air shaft and gives us the classic line: "Joe, do you hit this one?" Wait. Now I know what it feels. Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. Mm. Huh. Carl is uh, overlooked that one. <laughs> oh my god. One of the classics. Carl and his cronies run to where they think McLean is crawling through. They check each room with an air shaft. They're looking, listening, but McLean sees them and he's not moving. Carl's had enough of this shit and he just shoots up the entire air vent, but he misses McLean. Then using his gun, he begins poking at each part of the vent listening to see if each spot he pokes sounds different. McLean knows he's doomed and quietly cocks his gun. Carl's getting close, but one of the other thugs gets his attention, tells him the cops are there, and the guy runs off. We cut to our cop pulling up to Nakatomi Plaza, being watched from the roof. McLean makes his way out of the air shaft. He's filthy. He's covered in blood. He's back in Takagi's office. There's blood all over the door still, puddle of blood on the floor, but Takagi's body is gone. He sees the cop outside and says, it's about time. Cop says, no signs of disturbance, dispatch. They say possible crank call. Check the area again to confirm. The car is circling. John asks, who's driving? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> cop says he sees a guard inside. He's going to go in for a closer look. He approaches the door. Hans crony security guard swipes his key card, unlocks the door, lets the cop in. And in the most American voice he can pull off, says, evening, officer, what can I do for you? Yeah, they do this twice in the movie. Yeah, making fun I, of Americans. Yeah, I love the <laughs> accents they put on. We cut to Carl and his thugs running up to meet other thugs all looking at the cop car, talking to each other in German, laughing at each other. We cut to the security guard walking with the cop. We had that false alarm earlier. Asked me, these goddamn computers sent you on another wild goose chase. They've been chasing bugs in this system ever since they installed it. The guard sits behind the desk. Cop sees he's watching football. The guard's like, I got 50 bucks on these assholes. Really playing into the bit. McLean is up top looking at the car, wondering where the rest of the cops are. He knows this may be his last chance to really get their attention. He grabs a chair. He starts breaking the window. You have the thugs wiring up the roof, get angry and begin leaving what they're doing. The cop asks the security guard, you don't mind if I look around, do you? And without even looking at him, the guard waves him off. Like, nah, go look, whatever you want to see. So the cop walks away, but slowly the fake security guard turns around, very concerned. Upstairs, McLean is still working on breaking the window, but boom. 
In runs a thug behind him. He drops the chair, screaming, freeze, motherfucker, put down the gun. This tense music is playing in the background. Another thug runs in and goes to shoot McLean, uh, but McLean shoots and kills him. The other guy jumps on top of the table. McLean is under the table. The thug is shouting at him. Downstairs, a cop is walking around the area where the elevators are. A few inches away from him, around a corner, we see another thug standing right there, holding a gun, waiting. This could be his last moments. The cop gets close to him, stops, and he goes, ah, the hell with this. Turns <laughs> around, walks back to his car. Back upstairs, the man is yelling at McLean. Next time you have the chance to kill somebody, don't hesitate. And pop, 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 pop. McLean lights his ass up, kills him, and goes, Thanks for the advice. One-liners. <laughs> and that scene, uh, Bruce Willis lost like a percentage of hearing from what permanently from one of his ears from the, yeah, from the guns going off. Oh, the no way. Yeah. Yeah. What a bummer. Poor Bruce Willis. He's got great one-liners throughout this entire movie. Oh, yeah. Mm. The cop leaves. Sorry to waste your time. No problem at all, guard. Merry Christmas, the cop says. Merry mm-hmm. Christmas to you. McLean runs back to his broken window, looks down. The cop is approaching his vehicle, singing, Let It Snow. Yep. Annoyed McLean goes, For the love of God, looks around and gets an idea. The cop calls dispatch. There's a wild goose chase here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything here is okay. He gets in his car and. Boom. Boom. You'll find out what happens next week for the thrilling conclusion of a very Christmassy season-themed episode of In Madness Pod, episode 21, Die Hard. We will have part two with our special guest, Joe Miro of Creepy Canvases. Hit all the plugs, Joe. What's the plugs on the socials? Uh, at Joe underscore Miro at Instagram, uh, at creepy canvases on Instagram at crisis King official Instagram. Hell yeah. Check out his band and check out the in madness playlist. How have you guys felt about die hard part one of episode 21? It's awesome. What do you think, Joe? You think, uh, you want to, you want to stick around for part two? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Okay. I'm just okay. checking with him, Sean. I'm just how making about, sure he's going to. How about this around. cliffhanger? Is this a good cliffhanger? I figured this would be the perfect spot for it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was. <laughs> I, I was about to fill in the blank. I was like, "Oh, it's great for me to say something. Am I supposed to fill the blank here?" Anytime, you know, I'm thinking, I, Joe. Anytime I leave that big open gap, you know it's coming. Yeah. I'm thinking for you know one of your next paintings. I think you got to do a Hans Gruber. Right. I mean, it is Christmas time. I'm still yeah. cooking with some ideas. So yeah, man, I want one. I want one. I what want about one. a Sean the Butcher? Would you do a Sean? No, the Butcher? I don't need a picture of myself. That's that's terrible. No, I could, yeah, I, could I could like horrify him. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, with a, a bloody butcher's vest yeah. on. Not, I, like I want Leatherface style. Yeah, I have yeah. I have your leather face hanging in my living room. The yellow uh, leather face, actually. Or it Chef is. Slovic from the man. Yeah, clap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Joe Miro. Thank you for listening thank on you. Hit Madness Monday. We are on the socials at Hit Madness Pod, Hit Madness Pod at gmail.com. If you want to hit us in the mail sack, make sure you check out the YouTube. Make sure you check out the 
in madness playlist and yeah uh this was awesome thank you for listening we will see you next week for episode 21 part two of our ridiculously numbered system of in madness pod